Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com. And be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness, and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, it's Friday Food for Thought, and the only store I like almost as much as a liquor store is the Spice Store. And my guest today sometimes combines them both in his new cookbook, Cooking with Spices, 100 Recipes for Blends, Marinades, and Sauces from All Around the World. Um, The author is Mark C. Stevens, and he's with us today. So thanks, Mark, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. So I read in your bio that you started your life in Bangor, Maine, not really known as one of the top 10 spice capitals of the world. Um, I lived in Limestone for a little while, so I, I it, it, it's not even on the list as well either. So how did your spice evolution begin? If you were in Limestone, you probably saw a couple of fish concerts, and I imagine they brought the spices up there. But my spice journey began because my mother is Italian and she came over to the U.S. I think when she was 27. And so I grew up with the tradition of really amazing home-cooked meals and very not processed lunch times even at school. And we would go to Italy every year to visit my grandmother, which I still do. She's 92 and amazing, by the way. And so fresh ingredients were sort of the culinary backbone, right, of my of my upbringing. And then when I got to school and, and ventured out on my own, I, I didn't really understand the, the microwave culture. We didn't even have a microwave until maybe I was 17, nor a dishwasher, although my dad mentioned many times that he had two, me and my brother. And, <laughs> yeah. So I I began experimenting and judging as best I could with what I had available, which wasn't much in those days, of course. And then when I got uh, into my profession, which is as a filmmaker and now home cook, I expanded more. And and so anyway, last year I went to all seven continents in search of different flavors and people and adventures. And uh, I've been doing that sort of traveling for quite some time. I really landed in, in Argentina, which isn't also a country known for its spices, but it is for its very, very amazing barbecue, open wood fire. And I sort of fell in love with that cuisine. And I was spotted, as it were, by a friend of a friend who's a publisher and asked me if I wanted to write a spice book from the perspective of a home cook, someone who uses some spices, but isn't maybe necessarily familiar with all of them. And at times... Other cookbooks and spice books can be a little bit intimidating on that front, and I jumped at the opportunity. To say this book is very user friendly, it's not intimidating at all. It it almost beckons you to open it up and look through it because it's not. Some books are are so big and so massive that you're like, oh my gosh, where do I even 
begin on this, but this is just set up in such a way that makes it very useful as far as um, being able to get to what your question is quickly and not overwhelming you with information that, that you don't need. Was, was that your intention? Absolutely, and, and thank you so much. What a compliment coming from you especially. And yes, the idea that we are going to already know what spice we want to use is almost an affront to somebody going into a, a recipe book or a guidebook or even an ingredient encyclopedia that's in alphabetical order, right? If you don't know what the spice is, how are you going to find it? Let's say if you want to cook Indian food. So small adjustments like putting the chapters by region, India, Asia, Americas, and even though spices over the past 300 years have changed regions quite a bit, tried to isolate it into the ones that were cultivated there first, at least give someone a fighting chance of saying, I want to cook Indian food. Oh, maybe these spices are the ones that go together. And just makes it, like you said, just a tiny bit easier to get where you're going. Oftentimes I feel like before I started this journey, if I didn't know how to pronounce the spice, I just wouldn't use it because somehow that would affect the food, right? I would mess up the food because I didn't know a lot about it, but um, which is which is admittedly crazy. But I, I, I think we adhere to that in some sense, and, and I wanted to fight that, and I wanted people to just understand that expanding their wheelhouse or their comfort zone is, is super easy when it comes to spices. They've had this conversation going with each other for centuries now and, and more of them go together than we think they do and try to encourage that. Well, that's where your experience as a home cook, one of us really comes through because you know the questions of the everyday cook and what we're afraid of. Um, nobody wants to fail. So you're starting a, a big dinner. You're probably going to have people over. Uh, nobody wants that to be something dumped in the trash and ordered pizza. So you really took that in mind when you're walking us through these steps to make it, you, you, you give us so many different examples. Like um, I'm just going to use saffron because we have saffron in our house. I love saffron, but I only use saffron <laughs> with paella, which is very few and far between, but you have a saffron sauce. And you talk about using it with chicken and duck and light game and seafood like fish and shrimp. Fish and I never even thought of fish and shrimp. Mussels, we eat mussels here all the time. So I never even thought that those are just little things that, that you added to this. And I'm thinking, because saffron's expensive, so you just hate to just have it sitting around and not being able to use it. And I can't eat paella every night. Uh, so this just really opened my world, especially to one spice in particular being saffron. Oh, absolutely. Although I'll disagree with you that you 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 certainly can eat um, paella every night. <laughs> I would jump at the pants if it was the right that was the right paella. However, um, absolutely, and you captured well and expressed well the spirit of the recipe. So they're not complete recipes, right? They're not to the milligram. I do this, then this, then this recipes, and they're, and they're not supposed to be. That's by intention and. How many times have, have you or I got a recipe, looks awesome, go to the supermarket or wherever we get our food, go to the spice store, because that's where I would encourage you to get your, your spices, and 
pick up all the ingredients, make that recipe, put it on the shelf, and then three years later you're moving houses. You open up your spice cabinet, and there's that jar. You haven't made that recipe since, or maybe you have, but that's the only thing you use it for. The recipes are made to be learned on top of each other. So there's several instances in the book where you make the shishimi chogarashi spice blend. You use that later in the wasabi mayonnaise sauce, which is excellent. And then you use that sauce later in the wasabi steak marinade. And with the idea that the goal isn't for you to just pump out these recipes and impress people. The goal is that you understand how the spices work together and some of it's going to end up on the floor. And once you learn how the interaction goes, you don't necessarily need the recipes, right? You can add one spice to the thing that you do every Sunday or once a month or even on a holiday. And maybe that opens up the dish way more than you expected it to. And then maybe you learn how that spice works and then maybe you keep it handy and then add it to other things, be able to use it. So the idea is to encourage innovation and just be more comfortable in the kitchen. So Saffron in particular, there's so many uses for it, and my mom swears by it uh, being an Italian woman. She's very proud of Italian saffron, and I tried to convince her otherwise, but she wasn't having it. <laughs> well, it's all about confidence, and this this book, and it's laid out in such a way that, that gives you confidence. So if you're not used to working with, with a lot of spices and you're afraid to step out there, it it, it a beginning it's a starting point and if you have a lot of spices it gives you even a, a larger um, uh, repertoire and in, in which to pull and I, I wanted to talk about spices a little bit because a lot of people get that spice rack from the the uh, department store or a homecoming gift or a wedding gift. And I've often wondered how long do those spices sit around in those things, but everybody has them. They usually have them on their, on their, on their um, counters. Should we dump those out? If anyone gets them and then go to the spice store or go to the grocery store and refill them. How, how, how long do spices last? Uh, well, you're not going to get me to advocate dumping out food, but <laughs> I will I will advise that when you are ready for a refresher and you make the decision, I think that's a personal one, uh, it, it is not the best way to go about it. Most spices in their whole form, and you'll recognize their whole form from, first of all, a seed is uh, a, certainly a spice and a great capsule for containing flavors. And one big misconception, even on the higher echelons of the culinary world is the difference between an herb and a spice. So an herb is the leaf and sometimes stem of the plant. And then the spice is everything else. So seed, rhizome, root, bud, flower, um, which is a, you know, the pepper, whatever it may be. And whole spices can last depending on the spice two to five years. Sometimes you can freeze spices and that gives you a little bit more powdered spices. So it's, already in pulverized form six to 12 months maybe and I think you and I both know that a lot of times those containers will be sitting on the counter for that amount of time and then who knows how long they've been in some supply chain packaging so I would not advocate either going to the grocery store or getting spices because a lot of times those spices have been 
the sa- under the same, let's say, adventure. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so there's really good sources online. Most cities and metropolitan centers have really good spice and ethnic markets. And there's some really easy ways to find them, especially with just a little bit of online research. So going to the source and then pulverizing your own spices, either in a mortar and pestle, which is really fun and really, really guest um, impressive. <laughs> people are, It's a really cool thing to do in front of people, especially if you're on a date or something. And Or get a coffee grinder that way. And I would also say use a different grinder for your coffee than your spices unless you want cumin and coriander flavored cappuccinos. <laughs> That's a really great idea just to buy a new coffee grinder for your spices. We have world spice merchants here down at the Pike Place Market area, and they they have their website. It's just a fantastic store to get lost in. I'm, I'm in there all the time, and they will grind them for you, or you could buy the jars and take them home and then grind them yourself. But they also are online, so if, if you're not in a metropolitan area, you can certainly find a very reputable spice merchant anywhere, really in the United States, Canada, probably all around the world, who will ship to you these whole spices like what Mark was saying. And then you can just grind them yourself when, when you get home. So don't let that um, stand in your way if there's not a spice merchant near you. But if there is what a fantastic store those those places are. They, they have cool people working in them. They're set up cool. They got cool music. Everything about it's cool. And then you leave with cool it's stuff. A, it's like culinary Disneyland. I, I go in there and I stay for hours, and then, then I realize I have an appointment or something. I have to skedaddle. <laughs> exactly. You, you can oh, yeah, definitely get time, lost in there. It does. Time just stands still in, in those places. And so – that's a really good tip that you gave us about freshness on spice, um, how to buy them, and how to uh, grind them really our, ourselves. One thing you talk about in the book that a lot of people don't know, or maybe a lot of people do know and I didn't know, but you can put spices on fruits, and, and you talk about that, um, adding spices and spicing up your your fruit and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because is that something that's going on around the world and we haven't done it here in America or is this something that's just catching on or is it something basically everybody knows I don't know I I would like to think everybody knows it I Bariloche which is the hometown of of Francis Malman who's a a hero of mine and, and many others and they down there, they put anything on there. They will throw a leather boot on there if they think it's going to taste good. So <laughs> I, I always really love contrasting flavors, and pineapple with some spice is heavenly. And so one thing I've done for quite some time is is lather honey laced with paprika or cayenne or chili powder or something onto a grilled pineapple you cut it like you would normally cut a pineapple through the axis and skin it of course and then throw it on the grill and then just keep painting a very sweet and spicy mix on there and just as the pineapple is blackening take it off and really the pineapple's the force of the flavor it's really going to overpower anything so then just to have that cut spiciness come through it's almost like in central america when you get corn that's that's laced with or excuse me powdered with paprika and cumin 
uh, it just gives it a really wholeness, and it's a great dessert if you're having a grill and you don't have to do anything special. Same same trick works for papaya, and incidentally, not many people I think would expect this, but we discovered here that pears, grilled pears with a little bit of spice, sumac or something, is outstanding. You could throw it on a salad and just walk away. That sounds really good. I love pears and I love sumac. And, and, and you talk a lot about sumac in, in the book as well. And is that a spice that's just starting to get its its due here in, in the United States? I hope so. Sumac is wonderful. And those that have been to any place where there's a Turkish population or Middle Eastern, North African uh, concentration of folks will maybe have run across sumac. They It's really popular on kebabs, which if anybody's done any dr- late-night drinking tours in Europe is a great late-night hangover killer. And you will definitely have sumac on that, or they'll ask you. And I love it. I have it now as a shaker right next to the salt and pepper. I put it on everything as a finisher. I think most folks here in the U.S. would question poisonous or not. That's probably the thing I get the most. I thought it was crazy sumac, and there's many different forms of sumac, and that being probably the most famous one. And some are not harmful, and this one in particular, the spice form, is it's ready for its due. It is lemony, sweet. It used to be used as a souring agent by the Romans. A very ancient, old flavor, and it is about time for it to uh, to arrive. I again, I can't say enough about it, and that's probably why it's all throughout the book. So, if you are going into your spice store and you're looking for sumin, they're not going to be selling the poisonous kind. They're only going to be selling the good kind. So, you, <laughs> so nobody should have to worry about that. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll you'll recognize it. It's a wonderful color too. It's it's purplish, maroon, burgundy almost. Yes, in New Orleans we say burgundy, not burgundy. And if you get it from a place that makes really good hummus, you might see it sprinkled on top, which is always my favorite. Nice. Well, let's talk about New Orleans because that's where you live now. And we're coming up on Mardi Gras and you have some great spices, Creole, jerk inspired things that we might be able to taste of New Orleans, but, but we don't have to be in New Orleans. And we all have that Super Bowl's coming up, uh, Mardi Gras coming up. So we're all in that festive kind of a, 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 a time of our lives right now when it comes to food. And so you have some really great ideas for incorporating and bringing New Orleans to us in, in your cookbook. Yeah, it's carnival season. It's always a special time here. It's early, which is always nice because nothing really happens here. I shouldn't say that. The the period between New Year's and Mardi Gras in, in the city is a very anticipatory period of time. So when it's early, it's really exciting because all of a sudden it just arrives, whether you're ready or not. And before this phone call, I was just working on my Lundy Gras suit. I'm in a food-inspired Lundy Gras crew. And I obviously couldn't put out a cookbook without 
signaling my adopted hometown of 10 years. And the first recipe in the America section is, in fact, Creole Spice Blend, which is good for crawfish boils or shrimp boils. And incidentally, the last recipe of the Americas is also a New Orleans barbecue shrimp sauce that was created by a dear friend of mine who is a veteran of Commander's Palace Kitchen here in New Orleans and is a private chef. And she has never made a meal that I didn't house in about two minutes. So either one of those is, is perfect. And in fact, the barbecue shrimp sauce uses the Creole spice blend. So I suggest making a large amount of the spice blend and then just using it when you need it because it is a very comprehensive profile of our fair South Louisiana. Well, and a lot of people have been down there uh, and enjoyed Mardi Gras, or they come even in the off season just to enjoy what New Orleans has to offer. And it's just a way to uh, bring some of that back to your home through this book, because a, a lot of times we visit places and we love everything about it. We love the food. We love the smells. We love what it has to offer. And then we get back home and, and we kind of lose track of that. And that's really one of the best souvenirs that, that you can bring home is that memory of that food and then recreate it yourself wherever you live. Yeah. Absolutely. Cheapest ticket to New Orleans. You can buy 14 bucks, you know, <laughs> um, I would be, re I would be remiss if I, if I didn't at least nod to the very amazing set of New Orleanian, South Louisiana, and even Cajun cookbooks that are out there. And, and mine is much more international in scope, but I'm just delighted that you picked up on just a couple of nods I put in there. Well, yeah, because there's, like like you said, you'd broken it down in, into kind of regions. Um, and so if we're looking for something Thai, then we can look, oh, there's a spicy peanut sauce, or there's this, or, you know, or, or if we're looking for something mm -hmm. from North Africa, if we're some, looking for something from Argentina, um, you know, a lot of times we go to these restaurants and we're like, how could we recreate this at home? And and really, it starts with, with the spice, or the marinade, or the rub, or, or the blend, and then you kind of branch out from there and you have a lot of marinades you have sauces you have some rubs people are barbecuing now all over I mean everybody's barbecuing maybe more than they're cooking now and so you have some great rubs spices really can make the difference in in a rub if 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 you really want to be known for your signature um barbecue if you're smoking or something you know your spice is almost going to define what you're making out there. It, it really starts at that point and good meat. <laughs> Without a doubt. I mean, a, a, a great chef is pretty can't hide bad ingredients, right? So that's why I, I will always, always push forward grinding your own spices because not a lot of people know that the level and just compare them. Compare them to the spices you have in your cabinet. Go get some, grind them down, even some allspice or something. And the difference between the scent and the flavor is just palpable. And we are quasi-religious about our fresh ingredients down here, as are most culinary epicenters. And, and absolutely, people are looking for 
things that are experiential now. It's more about what can I create and share instead of what can I just go buy. That's that's all around. That's from the top of the bottom is the way people travel now. It's becoming about experiences. And if you have your signature thing that people will come to your house for, and that's an important thing. And the spices that go into whatever that may be, like you said, the rub is one one great example of it is uh, the kick and chicken marinade, which is on page 153. I love this recipe because the name of it was given to me by an old film chef who is legendary here in the South. And I asked, I called him and asked him, I said, Hey, can I make an attempt at recreating your kicking chicken? And he was like, so bashful and amazing. Like, Absolutely. You wouldn't even have to call to ask. Um, but, but everybody knows kicking chicken and I am honored to have that and and express that and send it on. And hopefully somebody takes that. And that's what I encourage in the book, which is paperback so that you can get it dirty and spill on the pages and not feel like you're messing up anything real nice. So I think it all just sort of comes back to that culture of community and growing it. And that's what we want to do. You know, that's something that all cookbook authors have in common that I've found and I've talked to so many they all want us to get our cookbooks out and use them dirty them up write notes in them get flour on them or spice on them or whatever they really want us to use them it's hard because cookbooks have evolved into being so beautiful and this is a really beautiful book and so you, you you almost don't want to mess it up but every author I've talked to really encourages I mean they, they they just almost are just pleading to us to get these out mark them up use them pass them down um, it, to generations and you know p- put our bookmarks in them and and just really keep them close by it's not an insult That's- <laughs> no, that's exactly right. I mean, I just have another cookbook right here in my kitchen. I'm looking at that. I think it was a $55 cookbook, and I'm I'm scared to take it out. I mean, it's it's so beautiful. It's just a work of art, and I do not want to spill a drop on it. But after after this conversation, I probably should. <laughs> well, it's it's absolutely a, a beautiful book. I I wanted to ask you, Mark, for fun. You're on a ship. The ship's going down, but you can make it to the desert island. You can run down to the kitchen, and you can grab five spices. Which ones are you grabbing? Ooh, do they have everything? They have everything, I and have I will through? give you salt, because I know everyone's going to grab salt. So, so let's not even put salt into the mix, because somebody on the ship will grab salt. What are you grabbing? Sure. We, don't have to ca- we don't have to count it, because it's a mineral. All right, exactly. we'll talk about five, yeah, five spices. So I will grab grains of paradise because grains of paradise mimics pepper and is also very robust and you don't have to use a lot of it. So it'll go farther on the island. I am going to grab, I can't believe I'm going to use this many. And for one thing, but I'm going to grab cumin, coriander, and turmeric. Turmeric will keep me really healthy. And the other two I can use solo or I can use the three to make the curry. So I'm going to be pretty good there. And now I got one left, huh? Yeah, one left. Mm. Who's it going to be? I have, do I have drinks on the island? Cocktails? On my island, you do. <laughs> you do? Okay. I will <laughs> probably grab juniper berries then because 
it is really useful for a variety of things. One, we'll be able to have a couple cocktails as the sun sets. Two, if we catch any game, uh, like anything, boar. We'll probably be hunting for some boar, I imagine, because it lasts long and you can dry it. Juniper berries are really good for seasoning boar or making a brine uh, for chicken. I imagine we'll be raising chickens. That's five, right? I'm at five. Okay, yep. I'm good. Yeah. Well, that's the island we want to be on. That, that you know, that was really <laughs> great. That, those were fantastic choices, actually. I, I, you know, that's I want to find more out about juniper berries for sure because you you do talk about them in the in the cookbook and now it'd be one of the ones that 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 you actually take with you so i need to research them a little bit more because they sound pretty fun so they can go in drinks and they can go on food multi-purpose sure and yeah and they're also the main flavor let's say um donator they donate a a lot of flavor to to gin which is a related related mm-hmm. beverage, yeah. Nice. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. It was really fun to talk. I kept you a little longer than I, than I said I was going to. But the book, Cooking with Spices, 100 Recipes for Blends, Marinades, and Sauces from Around the World by Mark C. Stevens. It's out now. It's doing really good. I looked it up on Amazon today. I think it was like number five or four, something like that. So uh, that was oh, really wow, great. Yeah. So um, I always encourage people to give, if, if you don't know what to buy for people, buy them a cookbook and then buy them some spices or a gift card for spices uh, and let them go to town, especially guys, because there's so many guys cooking now and barbecuing and, you know, you never know what to get for them. And cookbooks are a really, really great way to go. And this is a fantastic one because it's so easy to use and so beautiful to look at. So, Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know you're really busy. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And, yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Great Mother's Day gift. And I'd love to be back with you if you've ever had me. And really fun talking to you. Thank you, Lori. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, we need to plan something else. And maybe around barbecue season we will start because uh, we do – our barbecue shows are so big. So many people are barbecuing. And maybe you can come back with mm-hmm. some tips for us for people who are doing local competitions or maybe some spice rubs or something like that. But I would, I, I would love to revisit. So I really appreciate it. Enjoy Mardi Gras. And one time uh, I'm going to get down there. Please do. Please do. We'd love to have you. All right, I will be right back in just a moment, and the book is called Cooking with Spices, 100 Recipes for Blends, Marinades, and Sauces from Around the World by Mark Stevens. Go get it and spice up your life. Cajun beat. When it lifts me up, I'm gonna find my feet out in the middle. 